0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: And to book an appointment. Total Men's Primary Care. The doctor's office just for men. From the Yu-Gi-Oh! Business Services Studios, you're listening to KTXX FM and HD1 BK. KTAEAM Elgin. K270CO Round Rock. Guests on the horn appear courtesy of the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. It's like the tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Horn's 24-7 Insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn.
2: Light it up on a Friday, a football Friday edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. We just thank you so much for being a part of today's presentation. I am Jeff Howe, Horns 24-7, horns247.com, the Longhorn Blitz podcast, at Jeff Howe 247 on Twitter if you need me. Got kind of a jam-packed show today. A couple of Longhorn notebooks. Going to visit with Horns 24-7 recruiting editor Mike Roach. Our weekly conversation with LBJ head coach Jamal Finner. A lot of good stuff and plenty of LBJ football talk today, too, because we have a new Russian king of all time in the Austin Independent School District. We'll get to all that. Specs text line is open 337-3776. Also, our picks in the Supreme Lending Pick'em Contest, Flex 30 update. And Anytime we're talking high school football, we get that Flex 30 update. That's when we yield the floor to our erstwhile producer, our esteemed producer behind the glass. He is the publisher, curator, otherwise major domo of everything FlexATX. FLXATX.com, at FLXATX on all of your social media platforms. FlexATX is the place to keep abreast on all of the latest (laughs) comings and goings on the prep scene in and around our Fairburg. He is the one and only, the legendary, the great Snoop Daniel. How are you, sir?
3: What a do? It was a busy night last night, and like just looking at the weather this morning, if this is anything indicative of tonight, which I hope it is, like it looks ominous, but it's not really nothing. That's what I hope happens tonight ominous well, yeah, it looks like it's going to be really bad weather this morning, but it's not it's not really raining, it's just sprinkling, mm. and sometimes that happens, you know, like the meteorologist predicts, and then. It winds up being basically like a non-issue, but uh, there's only one official move from uh, tonight that I know of for sure, and everything else is as scheduled, but with the weather uh, stuff, the 6 p.m. start for Rouse versus Elgin, Uh, and that was uh, confirmed by Coach Clausen on Twitter uh, that that has moved up to 6 p.m., so instead of a 7 o'clock kick. So, I was expecting maybe more of that, just to try to get it in before night and this is the last game of the season, so I am uh, still on standby. It, it ain't going to be no Friday nap. I usually take a nap before game night, so I don't think I could take a nap
2: tonight. I was going to say, Snoop, did you mean ominous with the weather?
3: Ominous, ominous.
2: Tomato, tomato?
3: I don't know. Oh, God. Specs. Oh, my. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I have my <laughs> stupid phone. Yeah, oh, I hate when I do that.
2: T- Snoop, okay. why is everybody giving you grief for... Wearing your swim trunks, your normal everyday attire on, on oh, your Fox Seven and Who give me
3: who give me who, er, er, Wow, er, I'm er, speaking
2: er, really bad English. <laughs> <laughs> who give me grief?
3: <laughs> who that say that, boy? <laughs> e Hogan. E Hogan oh was God. like, you oh, see Hogan. your boy Snoop?
2: I'm like, That's what Snoop wears every day. Yes, so.
3: I do. I, I literally wear swim trunks every day. Yeah. It's not solid. it's just being me. Yeah,
2: exactly. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. We 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 love you the way you are, Snoop. Um, I tell I you ne- what, my Snoop, knees
3: weren't ashy. That's you know that's the cardinal sin is if you wear shorts and yeah. like, it looks like you ashy Larry. See, that's
2: why I'm always self conscious about my elbows dealing with the psoriatic arthritis, and that's why I, if anybody knows why I wear long sleeve shirts constantly, including the the long sleeve dry fits when it's hot, just mm-hmm. hide my elbows. Ain't nobody gotta see it.
3: Oh my gosh. We're all good. We'll get you some jurgens.
2: Uh, like I said, Specs text like, yeah, uh, Snoop keeping that thesaurus next to the toilet is helping. <laughs> That's from John in the Bay. You keep a thesaurus next to the. Uh, no,
3: what is that As As mean? my daughter
2: and I call it for the cat, the poo poo hut. Yes. The hut. I call it the doo doo hut, but. Yeah, doo doos funnier. When a four year old's around, I call it the poo poo hut. Yeah,
3: and D's the, the, heart poo is much nicer than doo.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's why uh, the word uh, the word fart does oh. not get said in my no. house anymore. It's got to be toot or poot.
3: I would get like if we said that we, we would get a whooping.
2: Yeah, I'm not uh, at the point where I'm going to spank my daughter over that, but we we <laughs> have we have had to issue uh, we have had to issue some timeouts or some four letter bombs that have flown on occasion, very rarely, but it has it has happened. Oh. Crap seems to be Charlotte's go to foul word.
3: That's such a, that's a hard child word. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting, okay, sorry. No, I've
2: had to, that's why I've had to watch my language. That's why I enjoy my toilet humor when I'm on the air, because this is where I have to get it all out, because once I get home, you put the lid on it. It just stays, stays shut. Unless you just want to go in the doo-doo hut and scream, scream curse words inside and, Silence, but whatever works.
3: Charlotte might grow up to be a comedian.
2: She might. I don't know. I don't know. She wants to be a. She wants to be in law enforcement. She says she wants to be a police All girl. Right. That's, and she's four, so that dream and goal and aspiration will probably change ninety-five times by the time oh. she gets ready to go to college. But who knows? I tell you what, Snoop. I wanted to start Longhorn Notebook because mm-hmm. obviously we've got a big, big one. Coming up tomorrow, it's Texas, and it's Kansas State from Bill Snyder Family Stadium in Manhattan. Oh, wait, no, no, no. no. I don't want to no. go to the notebook. I oh, sorry. going to go to the notebook right now. That's me jumpy. Yeah, it was, it's okay, though. But we're not going to go to the notebook yeah. right now. Uh, we've got plenty of time to get to that. I do want to remind everybody, let everybody know, uh, our coverage for Texas and K-State, we've got uh, the Bud Light pregame begins at 2 o'clock. That's Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, and Mike Harge. Uh, they'll be down at the Vodka Street Bar leading you up to uh, the network pregame at 5. That's when we throw it to Manhattan with Craig Way, Roger Wallace, uh, and Will Matthews. By the way, that's why Craig is not in here. I believe he's wheels up, I want to say, around 11 o'clock. So Craig should be at the airport right now. Uh, that's why Craig is not in today. It's a travel day for him Getting leading you up to the uh, to the 6 o'clock kickoff. So, uh Lavaca Street Bar starting at 2 o'clock tomorrow is where you want to be for our watch party. Uh, also today, the uh, the Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie, it is a, a Texas road game, so they will be at a select Twin Peaks in the area. Ball Don't Lie today, Twin Peaks Round Rock starting at 3 o'clock up to 6.30. Uh, they've got drink specials. You can go to hornfm.com and check it all out. But go holler at Rod B. And Mike Harge uh, over at Twin Peaks Round Rock, three to six thirty. Why only until six thirty? Because at six thirty, we get it to Snoop and the Flex crew for the pregame flex for all of our high school football coverage going on throughout the area tonight. And that's why Snoop, I wanted to start with the Waterburger Top Five, oh. Top Five matchups. I was going to ask you, did you find? five matchups because a lot of games have gotten moved. So I got them. I got
1: them. The burger Top 5. Okay, prepare to receive. Today's edition. Here we go. Oh. Top five matchups of the week. All
2: right, All right Snoop. Uh, a lot of games got moved to Thursday this week. Correct. But uh, Snoop found five matchups, five worthy matchups uh, going on tonight in and around. It's, our fair for start, the and
3: and no tie, just five because we're packed today. Taylor at Gerald. Or, excuse me, J- Gerald at Taylor uh, for the playoffs That's tonight. That's Burnett at Taylor. Burnett at Taylor. Sorry. Oh, my God. I better correct that. Got that wrong on Fox 7. You were
2: probably thinking Gerald Lago Vista, which got – actually, that one got moved to last night, didn't And it not? Lago
3: Vista won. Yes. Correct. Uh, game number four for me is uh, is Maynard versus Stony Point. This is a win you, and you get in for the Mustangs. And um, I don't want to talk about the politics going on in the locker room there, but I do think that they had to settle some things out and – you know, um, they are closer now, and I think we might see a better Maynard team. On the other side of that, and maybe I should have made this number one. I love this matchup. Stony Point is one of the hottest teams in 25-6-8. Winners are their last two. Cam Cook is going nuclear. I I don't know who, for our All Flex watch list, I don't know who gets one, one or two. I don't know if it's Cam Cook or Quentin Joyner. That's how good they've been. Quinn uh, now Cam Cook is over 1,500 yards rushing. He's quite because it, the team is not going to make the playoffs. People are kind of sleeping on what he's done. Braylon James has had a big year. He's had limited touches. Stony Point has had to deal with oh, uh, and now I'm soapboxing, but Stony Point has had to deal with injuries to, to uh, Ivan Rodriguez uh, and then they have to rely on Skylar Hossenflug. And, and it's just been it's been a weird year for Stony Point and and they were a playoff worthy team. So that's my number four game. Number three, Vista Ridge, Round Rock. A lot of people are going to say the Dragons are going to run away with it. I bet you the computer being a jerk will say the Dragons going to win by 21 plus. But Vista Ridge, uh, I have faith in this team. Uh, you know, like I always do every year, an all-super-sophomore team. And Vista Ridge had more players on that list by far than in the, uh, any other team. So I think that deduction would say their year would be 2023. But I'm not surprised that they are on the cusp of doing something special this year. Round Rock's gonna be tough to be. I mean, who knows? I I don't see the dragons pumping the brakes, but maybe they they, they try to hold back because they're gonna get scouted by whichever team that they, they, they play. Maybe they don't want to run Mason Cochran out there the whole game. Maybe they want to run uh, uh, Hayden Nath out there instead in the second half, or maybe give Javante Arnold some more carries instead of uh, uh, Vincent uh, Frey, Magento Frey, one of the best names in all of football. Anyway, that's number three. Number two. Georgetown versus Cedar Park. Now, both of these teams are going to the playoffs. It does have seeding implications, but these two teams are on the fast rise. I've long called Georgetown the best uh, 5A D1 team in the Austin area. Uh, Even when Hayes was on that hot streak, I still said Georgetown. And Georgetown wasn't winning that many games. I said Georgetown's better. And now that Cedar Park has gone through their learning quips and playing all these young guys, Reed Vines, Brady Elford, nobody's talking about him, one of the young uh, seniors on that team, so many young players on Cedar Park, they're peaking, Georgetown is peaking, I just want them to stay healthy and get to round one uh, against these 12-5 AD one teams. My last game of the week, St. Michael's Regents, Taps Action, uh, remember the name, if you like Quinn Ewers, remember the, na- the name Quinn Murphy, freshman quarterback for Regents. I think uh, he's going to be a player to watch.
2: Talked about him, that hybrid between Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's nice. Kid. It's nicely. Speaking of Quinn Ewers, not so much Malik Murphy because uh, he should travel but he's not expected cool. to play. Uh, we're talking about Quinn Ewers because now it's time for the – Oh, Long
3: now it's time when you – oh, how dare you. You do do. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Jeff
2: Howe's Longhorn Notebook. I just wanted to make sure we uh, we got it. This uh, Longhorn Notebook, as all our Longhorn Notebooks are, brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. Bowersockteam.com. Let Aaron and her team do for you what they did for Craig when Craig moved to his new abode in the northern portions of Williamson County there in Georgetown. Uh, Bowersockteam.com, Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert. All right, Longhorn Notebook, this is how we do it on a Friday. It's Texas and Kansas State tomorrow. Uh, Last time I checked the line, I don't know if there's been any line movement. Uh, As of right now, Texas, it looks like still, it still looks like Longhorn's uh, minus two and a half for this one. Uh, yeah, minus two and a half is still where this one's sitting. Uh, as far as I can see, um, which is kind of I, I don't know, man. Vegas, they have their reasons for doing things. I I've said it. I said it yesterday when I was on with Chad and Zay. We did our staff predictions at Horns Twenty Four Seven. Uh, I. I picked Kansas State to win the ballgame, so uh, we'll we'll get we'll dive into that as we go out throughout today's show. But Longhorn Notebooks on a Friday, the first one, as always, it's three key matchups to watch when Texas takes on Kansas State. Matchup number one, and I, I think this is, you could very easily say this is Steve Sarkeesian as much as it's Quinn Ewers, but I think it's Quinn Ewers against the Kansas State safeties. Look, K-State, and I, I think any defense Texas faces from here on out, if you're capable of playing some three-safety looks and putting three-safety looks on the field, I think you should do it against Texas because with the exception of Oklahoma, Sark has struggled against it uh, and Quinn Ewers has struggled against it, especially in the last two games with Iowa State and Oklahoma State really thwarting that Texas passing game, really forcing Texas to attack other parts of the field rather than just throwing it downfield. Uh, but I think it's Quinn Ewers against those Kansas State safeties. I've talked throughout the week about Steve Sarkisian's patience, the fact that Sarkis needs to be patient, take what the defense is giving him, and not just dial up shot after shot after shot, constantly hunting the shot play. But a lot of that's on Quinn Ewers, too. Quinn Ewers has to recognize where he could attack this K-State defense, what parts of the field are vulnerable. And I think when they figured that out against Oklahoma State, it was too late. When they finally started to hit some seam balls over the middle to Jatavian Sanders, they started to to get really the tight ends, period, more involved. They started to work the middle of the field a little bit more. Uh, It was too little too late at that point. But I think it's Quinn Ewers and the Kansas State safeties reading those safeties, understanding where they are, knowing where to attack the defense, and – Going over the middle of the field, I've talked about teams attacking Texas in the middle of the field. I think it feels like with as much too high coverage as people are playing, the effort there is to take away the deep shots. You don't want to give up shots down the field. I think the middle of the field is becoming more of a factor. Like we talked when Hudson Card Card was quarterback in this offense. We talked about how that was maybe the strength for Hudson Card was targeting guys over the middle of the field getting the backs involved in the passing game. When we talk about getting Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson involved in the offense, I'm not just talking about turning around and handing them the football. Get them involved in the passing game. They're both really good receivers. They're both, especially Bijan, good enough route runners. I still think Bijan has the best hands on the team. With all due respect to Jatavian Sanders and some other guys, get them involved in the passing game. Get those guys matched up on K State's linebackers. We talk about the well, another matchup I'm going to talk about here in just a second. But make the make your running backs make them. Matchup mismatches. You've got a matchup nightmare with Jatavian Sanders using, it, but it's going to be about Quinn Ewers reading the safeties, taking what the defense gives him. That's key matchup number one. I just alluded to it. Key matchup number two, it's Deuce Vaughn against the Texas linebackers. Again, you worry about Deuce Vaughn in the pass game. You're concerned about Deuce Vaughn, uh, or in the run game, excuse me. You're concerned, obviously, with Deuce Vaughn's ability to run the football. Let me give you some intel on Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn this season, Snoop, as you know, extremely versatile playmaker, yes. Deuce Vaughn is. 24 catches for 125 yards and a touchdown for Deuce Vaughn. Would you like to know where he's done the most of his damage? How about over the middle of the field? Uh, balls thrown behind the line of scrimmage or up to 10 yards. Deuce Vaughn, between the numbers on balls thrown through the, uh, up to that distance. Uh, how about 17 catches, 69 yards? this season for Deuce Vaughn on those plays. That's where he does the bulk of his damage. Uh, he, he can go down the field. They will do some different things with him. Uh, Sark talked about it yesterday. And I think you go back to the 2020 game in Manhattan. I've talked about that this week and how K-State, even with Courtney Messingham as the offensive coordinator, Colin Klein wasn't running the offense like he is now. They were able to get him isolated on DeMarvin Overshone and Juwan Mitchell and really had a field day. They were able to move the football. It's just they couldn't stop a nosebleed on that day, and Texas ran wild in that 69-31 win. But it's Deuce Vaughn against the Texas linebackers, and I know the linebackers are the guys that Kansas State's going to try to isolate on Deuce Vaughn. They're going to try to get favorable matchups there. There's got to be a coverage adjustment by Pete Kwiatkowski, and Kansas State's got a really good group of outside receivers. You know Malik Knowles. Uh, uh, has been really good for them. Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner, uh, they, especially if Will Howard's playing quarterback. Like we talked about Will Howard's ability to get the ball down the field on pass, according to Pro Football Focus, on passes of 20 yards or more down the field. Will Howard's 8 of 13. He's completing the the deep ball at a really, really high percentage. 8 of 13 on the season for Will Howard on passes of 20 yards. Uh, or more down the field for 226 yards and three touchdowns. He's thrown for six touchdowns this season. Half of his touchdown passes have come on deep shots. Uh, And that's going to be something to monitor too, because Colin Klein came out yesterday and said Adrian Martinez is progressing like he might be able to play. So it's a nice problem to have. Do you go with the guy who's had the extremely hot hand of late, or do you go back to the guy that maybe if you're Colin Klein, you feel like is most compatible with what you want to do offensively? Like I said, when you watch K-State's offense with, with Adrian Martinez, a quarterback, man, it looks a lot like what K-State was doing under Bill Snyder when Colin Klein was taking the snaps. Just the way they set up their quarterback runs, uh, how those runs uh, evolve and develop, uh, it's really interesting to watch K-State's offense with Adrian Martinez taking the snaps. But uh, Deuce Vaughn against the Texas linebackers. We know K-State's got good receivers, but that's the matchup. If I'm Colin Klein. Knowing the issues Texas had defending the middle of the field, that's the, those are the matchups that I want. Uh, and the third matchup that I'm going to target is Christian Jones, the Texas right tackle, going up against Felix Edaduke Uzoma, the outstanding pass rusher for Kansas State, currently the Big 12 sack leader. Christian Jones struggled mightily in the Oklahoma State game. Had a, and we knew Oklahoma State, even without Brock Barton, we knew that uh, Oklahoma State's edge guys were their strength. Christian Jones, uh, on 50 pass-blocking snaps, he gave up two two pressures. It felt like it was more than that. It seemed like Oklahoma State late in that game was able to get a lot of pressure. Uh, Kelvin Banks, by the way, just continues to be really, really good, Uh, was named a semifinalist for the National Freshman of the Year Award uh, by the Football Writers Association. Uh, But Christian Jones against Felix and Aduke Uzoma, that's going to be the matchup to watch. If I'm, if I'm K-State, that's the guy I want to get Felix isolated on is Christian Jones and take your chances there. Christian Jones, much better than he was last year, but the path of least resistance, do you want him going one-on-one with Calvin Banks or do you want him going one-on-one with Christian Jones? Don't at this point just don't even try Kelvin Banks. He's proven whether it's been Will Anderson or whoever the better pass rushers he's faced, he's done more than hold his own this year. So, again, we talk about Quinn Ewers and let being patient, taking what the defense gives him, letting things evolve. A big part of that is the offensive line giving you time to throw the football. And I'm not anybody that's heard me talk on this show or listened to the Longhorn Blitz podcast, read anything I've written at Horns 24-7. I'm not a big fan of max protection, I just, especially when you've got... A kind of tight end threat like Texas has with Jatavian Sanders and the kind of skill threats you've got at the running back position that Texas has. I just feel like holding those guys in to pass block to be an extra blocker, I feel like it's just a wasted opportunity at that point. You're wasting an able-bodied receiver. Uh, Just get more guys out in pass routes and make things easier for the offensive line. Simplify things for them. The example that I constantly bring up, uh, and I think we're seeing Tennessee do that a little bit this year, man, that 2019 LSU offense, that LSU offensive line was not like this overwhelming dominant offensive line. It's not like the Alabama offensive line we saw two years ago when Sark was dialing up the plays and you had Landon Dickerson and Evan Neal and, and those guys up front, Alex Leatherwood, and uh, a lot of first round draft picks, high-end draft picks up front. Uh, but Joe Brady and Joe Burrow, that combination, they just got the ball out of the quarterback's hands really quick and got it to their skill guys and let them work. So, And another thing, Snoop, he's not a part of my matchups, but when we talk about again, being patient taking what the defense gives you. I'd really like to see Jordan Whittington be, and it's tough to say a bigger part of the offense because what does that entail? Because Xavier Worthy needs his targets. Jatavian Sanders needs an opportunity to impact the game. But I think if you've got, if you set him up, right. One of my favorite concepts that this offense does in the past game is those deeper whip routes with Jordan Whittington, where you kind of get him. It looks like he's going on a crosser and then he'll kind of pivot and break out towards the numbers. Uh, those little, those whip routes. And with Whittington, Uh, especially when you've got the guy with kind of arm talent that Quinn Ewers has. Whittington does a really good job running the whip route, Uh, but I I really like it because with Quinn Ewers' arm talent, he can run those deeper, and those can actually develop uh, if you can get him with creating enough space. Those can turn into chunk plays. They've done that a couple of times this year, Uh, so getting Jordan Whittington involved, again, over the middle of the field uh, could take a lot of the pressure off, loosen up the defense, force Kansas State to shift their priorities. Then maybe that can open up some of the deep shots down the field that we know Steve Sarkeesian wants to take. But Christian Jones doing a great job against Felix uh, and Eduke Ozoma and the K-State pass rush. uh, That's going to be a really big part of that. All right, tell you what, we'll take a break, come back. We'll keep the Texas football conversation going throughout the day, uh, and we'll talk a little recruiting on the Texas football front when we have Mike Roach, the recruiting editor at Horns 24-7, join us uh, here in our number two. It
3: sounds scary versus K-State. Well,
2: (laughs) you mentioned this last week, Snoop, when I was in – or two weeks ago, I guess – when uh, when we were talking about the Oklahoma State game and you said that I, as I was going through my matchups and going through my keys to victory, you felt worse about the game? Yes, I are, thought we were going to lose. Are you getting some of those similar vibes right now? Worse. <laughs> Uh, you know, Kansas State's a really good football team, but there is a path to victory for Texas. It's just obviously not going to be easy. It's going to be score every time. Well, that that would be nice, but I'll, I'll get to some <laughs> more things Texas needs to do next hour in our keys to Longhorn victory. But I, again, that's why I point I like point out those three matchups. If Texas wins those three matchups, or at least doesn't lose one of those in a landslide, you've got a pretty good chance to go win the ball game. Uh I like this text from Stoner on the Specs text line. Vaughn Vaughn getting the ball within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage is smart. Uh, How diminutive playmakers should be used, not on deep routes, all over the field like we seem to force with Worthy. And that's the thing, Stoner. Xavier Worthy's been really good uh, in the short game on, on some of that orbit motion, that half-orbit motion, uh, those shallow crossers. Uh, Xavier Worthy's been really good uh, doing some of that stuff. So there are other ways Texas can move the ball effectively Maybe other he's than just taking shots. Maybe he's
3: too rebel to run them. over the middle. No, I don't
2: think so. No. Not when he can just run away from people. I, I think I think people get too caught up on some of that stuff, Snoop. And I, I like, is he slide of frame? Yeah, but I think his play strength is plenty good enough. I don't Worry about him from that standpoint, especially if you scheme it up right. Uh, you he can kind of just run to grass, and if you throw it to him in the right spot, uh, you can let him get yards after the catch and, and work his way down the field. So I don't worry about that as much as I do some other things on offense, especially the offensive line with the kind of pass rush test they're going to get this week from Kansas State. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. Our weekly coaches' conversations—the last of our weekly coaches' conversations. Uh, coming up today, since it is Friday, we'll visit with LBJ head coach Jamal Finner, who also coaches the king of Austin Independent School District rushing yards. We'll talk about all of that when we come back here. On Let-
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On second down and seven, the ball is at the Crockett Cougar 17-yard line. My handoff. To the right side, Alexander turning the corner. Alexander to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown and a record for Cedric Alexander. 17 yards on the touchdown run for Cedric Alexander, who has just become the all-time career rushing leader in AISD history.
2: There it was. You heard it last night. Craig Way on the call on 105.3. The bat, your home for LBJ football, LBJ Finishes off a perfect district schedule with a 49-0 win over Crockett. And Cedric Alexander is the new career rushing yardage leader in the history of Austin ISD football. Now 4,920 yards and 70 career touchdowns. He owns both of those records. Also, you can go to FlexATX.com. Snoop actually had video of the run, and that synced with Craig's call, correct, Snoop, on that deal?
3: It is, and i got to say, he ran right in front of my camera. (laughs) There you you. go. Uh,
2: And the man who has coached (laughs) Cedric Alexander through uh, all of those yards, all of those touchdowns, all of those carries, and coached LBJ to an undefeated district. Championship is with us right now on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. The last of our weekly high school coaches interviews this week. Brought to you by our good friends at Texas Truck and Trailer. It is the head coach of the LBJ Jaguars, Jamal Fenner. Coach, congratulations on the win. Congratulations on an undefeated district schedule. How are you today?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you very much. I truly appreciate it.
2: Coach, let's let's talk about Cedric. I know we talk about him every week, and and we've talked about the record and what it would mean and all of that stuff. But now that he's got it, it, it's it's under his belt. Uh, Your program, your offensive line, all of your kids – or a part of history, uh, what What does that mean to, to everybody involved for him to have that record?
0: Yeah, I think it means a lot. You know, uh, his teammates, you know, those are his brothers. and You know, I know they all care about each other a lot. You know, a lot of these kids have grown up together, you know, played sports together and just have really close bonds and relationships. So I know they were all excited for him, and it was truly special when it happened last night. And then for the program, you know, to be able to have, Uh, one of our own as the AISB career, you know, record in yards and TDs, you know, I I think that means a lot for our program and our community as well.
2: Coach, uh, no running back can get those yards without an offensive line in front of them. And John Bragg has been a a really good player for you for a while now, and I know you've done some different things with John, but what did it mean for your group to to get John back and, and to have him be a part of that line again?
0: Yeah, you know, John uh, is a kid that's very versatile, and he's explosive, so we've moved him around quite a bit uh, just so we can get some matchups that we want. And it's it all starts up front. You know, I think Cedric could tell you that as well. You know, without a, a great offensive line, which we've had over the last, you know, two years and then including this year, I mean, he's run behind some some offensive linemen that have done their job, you know, and so a lot of credit to those guys as well. I don't know they I know they don't get a lot of the glory, but uh, he couldn't do it without them, and I know he appreciates them, and and I appreciate them a lot.
2: Coach, another group that I think needs their their proper praise uh, is your defense. I mean, you look at the district schedule; you only gave up 14 points in district play, and that was to McCallum, five straight shutouts. Coach, you've been doing this a long time, been around this a long time. I mean, you figure at some point an opponent, you know, there might be a weird special teams play or a turnover. Somebody might fluke their way into a touchdown. But to me, it almost doesn't matter what competition you're playing. You you have five shutouts in a row. Uh, that says your kids are playing defense at a high level right now.
0: Yeah, and and that's what we're excited about. You know, that's what we're looking forward to. And when we came out of the non-district, you know, we, we were able to make some changes and some adjustments personnel-wise and we feel like it, it. we benefited from it. So, you know, that's one of the things we always talked about is, you know, fast, physical, and execute. And that's what we're doing defensively, and I love it. They're flying around.
3: Uh, Coach, I want to ask about the first touchdown to Caleb Crenshaw, uh, who's a freshman, and then a great dime by Allie Scott. He's just a sophomore, so this LBJ team is going to be good for a while. Uh, but can you talk about those two youngsters?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, Caleb, It's going to be special. You know, I always kind of refer to him as Cedric Alexander number two, you know, Um, and and, uh, he has the same similar running style. And what I love about Caleb is he's playing fast every play, you know, and he's adjusted to the varsity level speed. And so he's making a ton of plays, but he's strong. You know, he's fast. And then he's a smart football player. He has a very high IQ. You know, that's another kid that's been playing football, you know, since he was five, six years old. So, yeah, very special, talented kid that we know our future is bright. And then Ali Scott, you know, he's just coming into his own. We knew it would take him some time. It's hard to, you know, feel the shoes of Oscar Gordon as a sophomore, and that's what we've asked for him to do. But he's now making throws and making reads and plays, and uh, we know he can get it done with his legs as well. So I'm excited about the future of both of those guys.
2: Coach, I want to go back to your non-district schedule. I I know you've had to answer a lot of questions the last few weeks about your district schedule, but as you go into the playoffs, do you like the fact, I mean, you got to like the fact that your kids have a frame of reference that they play. I mean, you played Maynard, you played Weiss, Paris Episcopal. uh, All three of those teams could end up in the playoffs. Do you like the fact that your kids have that frame of reference that, yeah, they they have played some tough teams and, and had games this season where at some point they really had to battle?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what we hang our hat on. You know, we we take pride in playing high-level competition. You know, if I could pick my schedule the whole season, you know, it would be a, a ton of top-ten uh, caliber teams. So, you know, being able to get those three games in non-district, understanding that there's six, state schools, understanding, you know, that Parish is, you know, a three-time state champion, number one in the state and private school, we know those programs are going to give us the look that we need. And uh, I feel like it really helped us a lot. You know, regardless of what the district competition was, we still were able to make some changes that needed to be made when you have, you know, pretty much almost a half of a brand-new team.
3: Coach Pinner, I, I want to ask you a question that I'm actually shamed to ask because how I don't know this is, is pretty dumb because she has been down with LBJ like forever. But well, who is the lady who's taking the pictures with the, white, with the white hair? She's so awesome. Will you tell me her name and who is she and – so, yes. if if you go to LBJ, y'all know who I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, Becky Gadula. Becky. Oh, and, uh, yeah, her and her husband are great Jaguar supporters. They've been in, around the program, you know, since the 90s, you know. Yes. And so, we really appreciate them and everything they're done, doing, capturing the memories and moments of all of our kids in our programs
2: coach for your first, for your by district playoff game it's either going to be Rouse or Elgin and those two teams play tonight i'm i'm assuming you and the staff are going to go check that one out
0: absolutely we'll be there
2: how how deep have you gotten into with both those schools i know we talked to some coaches i know coach Sanders of Vandegrift told us he's pretty much got the the details mapped out on on their by district game next week and i know for for five aces it's a little bit different cuz you've got you know stadiums you got to Book and all that stuff, but in terms of locations officials how how deep have you gotten into it with the, either of those coaches about what the plan is for next week?
0: uh, just conversation about it. we haven't gotten too deep because it could still play out in some various ways, you know, so I haven't gotten too deep into it, uh, all of that'll kind of take place tonight uh after you know they play, but uh you know we know it will be at nelson and then uh you know, I'm shooting for Friday, so we'll see what we agree on and you know, I'm pretty flexible when it comes to those uh, playoff games and just trying to create the best atmosphere as possible for both programs.
2: Coach, before we let you go, as you put the uh, the district schedule to bed and move on into the postseason, throughout this district run, again, your your defense only gave up 14 points in district play. We know about what your offense did, but outside of the the, the numbers and, and what the eye test shows you, what are you most proud of what your kids got done in district play?
0: I'm just proud of how they responded. You know, I think Uh, Some of our past success, our kids have learned how to win, you know, and that's one thing that I take a lot of pride in, and I get passionate about our kids winning with class and playing the game the right way. And so I'm very proud of them because I didn't see our kids taunt. I didn't see our kids, you know, put it in people's face. I see our kids flying around, having fun, celebrating with their teammates, and they're not playing they were going to play Jaguar football, and that's our standard. So I take a lot of pride, and I'm proud of them for holding that standard no matter the situation.
2: Next up for LBJ, it's the uh, the March to AT&T Stadium begins with the bi-district playoff game. It'll either be Rouse or Elgin, and Jamal Fenner and his staff will be at that game tonight seeing who the Jaguars are going to line up against and play next week. Coach Fenner, thanks as always for your time on a Friday, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week.
0: Thank you guys so much.
2: There it is. LBJ head coach Jamal Finner. Jaguars again wrapped up a perfect district record. 49-0 shutout of Crockett and Cedric Alexander is now your all-time leading rusher in the history of Austin ISD football. 70 career rushing touchdowns. He's got that record. And with 4,920 yards, he is the career record holder in that category as well. You
3: know what? This is kind of dumb, (laughs) but... But I was imagining a scenario where he would break the record and it would be like a three-yard run. And then I'd be like, dang
2: it. Like when Emmitt Smith broke Walter Payton's record and it was just kind of like where he's falling forward to get yards, nothing. Yeah. Not like when Ricky Williams broke Tony Dorsett's NCAA record and it was this historic, like, highlight real touchdown.
3: Word. Yeah. yeah, for him to get into the end zone. I mean, he juked one guy. He broke – one guy had his hand on his jersey. He broke away from that and then basically uh, ran over another guy.
2: So that that fraud Ron Dane, I think his when he broke Ricky's record, it was like on a on a five yard run or something.
3: The only thing that was weird is like like Cedric got distracted. After Not a big
2: Ron Dane fan, in case no? anybody didn't pick up on well,
3: that. Wisconsin, no. Well, Wisconsin, he was uh, he was all right. Anyway, uh, well, I'm gonna say, oh, he was he was talking to the referee, so there was no he couldn't even celebrate that incredible moment because he was talking to the ref about I don't know what the heck they were talking about. But I'm like, leave him alone, like. This is history and in my head I'm like wait a minute this broke the record leave him alone what is going on like stop t-. but shout out to the referee he was he was just going with the game so how dare I judge him for like doing his job but I felt like um man like I don't know whatever I'm stupid
2: I thank you Jim, thank you Jim from Lago <laughs> thank you Jim from Lago Vista for texting in that uh, Lago Vista beat Gerald 48 to 8 last night he said you're welcome Jeff wow yeah. Uh, the Vikings good, are good, Good dude. for the Vikings, yeah. I never lost to Lago Vista back in my day, uh-huh. Snoop. Undefeated. Uh, they're on to come games.
3: up, dude, Like Lago Vista yeah. as a community. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that they're dripping springs, but they got dripping springs potential.
2: I'll tell you what, we'll get back to talking Longhorn yeah. football coming up next hour with the Longhorn Notebook. It's going to be three keys to a Longhorn victory. Also, uh, we got a Flex 30 update coming up next hour. We'll run down some of the Thursday night action. That went down last night. A lot of Thursday games in and around our air. And next hour our visit with Mike Roach and we've got to do our picks in the Supreme Lending Pick'em Contest. Get you ready for a football weekend. But coming up next, it's Friday, Snoop. So what's that mean?
3: Man, we're getting real flaccid. So real... flaccid.
2: <laughs> so flaccid what? I don't know.
3: <laughs> so flaccid. You,
2: you started. you got not, to finish not, not, it now. I don't
3: know. I don't know. So flaccid it's... <laughs> <laughs>
2: We'll let Snoop think about it during the break yeah. as we go to the most flaccid state on the lower 48. <laughs> and we grabbed that low-hanging fruit from Florida on a Friday. It's Inconceivable on a Friday on Light the Tower, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
1: Hi, I'm Brad with Homes by Avi. And I'm Aaron Bowersock. We are currently offering incredible incentives at all of our communities across the
2: Austin area. To
1: learn more about how these incentives can save you money on your new home, visit yourlonghornlender.com. I don't think it miss what you think it means.
2: All right, Snoop, we got four for Inconceivable. Two Florida stories because it's Friday, so what's that mean? Gonna see how flaccid we can get. That's gonna. I'll give you producer's choice on those two, but producer's choice on the Album. first two. Uh, you want a death row inmate slicing off their unit or George Brett being oh. mad about newspapers? First.
3: Both. But oh, first, let's go with George Brett.
2: <laughs> yeah, George Brett uh, yeah. believes MLB is losing their popularity because they don't print box scores in the newspaper why they don't george brett was on a uh kansas city radio show said quote i don't really follow anything outside of kansas city it all started when god usa today in the local paper they don't even put box scores in anymore you notice that i used to love to get up in the morning and there's not that many guys i follow in baseball on other teams but now in order for me to do that i've got to go to mlb.com pull up box scores and i've got to start clicking all these freaking buttons just give me a freaking newspaper with all the information I need. Oh, it's course. not that freaking hard, is it? Jesus Cristo. It just drives me nuts. That was me doing some editing right there. And they wonder why baseball is losing its popularity. Jesus. I think that might be one of the reasons. Quote, throw a box score in there once in a while for crying out loud. The newspaper industry's fell into the crunch with really early deadlines, so not a lot of time to get box scores. But, George Brett, you're already going to MLB.com. It's... It's not that hard, and I don't think that the lack of box scores in newspapers has anything to do with baseball's popularity or lack thereof. Not sure you can make that correlation, Snoop. I
3: feel he's paying. he wants the game to be better,
2: but I do I do enjoy. Do enjoy reading the hard copy newspaper every now and then. Me too. It makes me feel like an old soul. Uh, going from that to this, it Ten- smells like paper. Well, speaking of smell, uh, a Tennessee death row inmate will smell something when this happens. A Tennessee death row inmate severed his own penis with a hidden razor wow. after being placed on suicide watch for slitting his wrists following a disagreement with jail officials. Over a food package delivery, according to his attorney, boy, you want to count you're, the red flags in that line
3: way too fast.
2: You to <laughs> Let understand. me repeat yes. that: a Tennessee death row inmate severed his own penis with a hidden razor after being placed on suicide watch for slitting his wrists following a disagreement with jail officials over a food package delivery. Henry Eugene Hodges, when they print your whole name, it's never good, uh, sentenced to death for a 1990 killing of a telephone repairman, mutilated himself.
3: Telephone repairman?
2: Yeah. What the telephone repairman did to you, Henry Eugene Hodges. But uh, apparently this man has been so distraught, Snoop, he mutilated himself by slicing off his own penis earlier this month after a disagreement with jail officials who didn't allow him to receive a special food package that he had ordered. Hodges became upset. Remember I mentioned that smell earlier? Yes. He became upset and began smearing feces in his cell after prison officials refused to let him have a package he had ordered because he had clear conduct for only the previous five months rather than the required six months. A guard then decided to stop feeding him in order to get him to stop smearing feces. Uh, His attorney said on October 7th, Hodges slit his wrist with a razor he had in his cell. He was then taken to the hospital's infirmary where he was asked to be put on suicide watch. A, quote, high-ranking correctional officer told the person treating Hodges that he was manipulated, manipulating them and could be put on suicide watch back in his cell. He was taken back to his cell where there was broken glass from a window he had broken as well as other razors that he had hidden. When he got back to the cell, Hodges severed his own penis, adding that the back and forth with jail officials happened in a two-hour period. So in a two-hour period, homeboy went from smearing Duke on the wall to lopping off his manhood. Uh, He was sent back to the hospital where doctors were able to reattach his penis, so I guess that's good. Hodges was then sent back to his cell where he has been bound to a thin mattress mattress with six-point restraints. Uh, He was initially placed in four-point restraints, but was upgraded when he removed his hand uh, to rip out his catheter. Boy, this is just <laughs> all kinds of... I feel of...
3: like I should play Fuel Bad Day.
2: Man, uh, the attorney says that Hodges has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, uh, mixed type, and suffers from psychotic episodes. Uh, the attorney visited Hodges at the infirmary uh, at the of the Riverbend Maximum Security Institution in Nashville on Thursday where he has been kept naked in four- and six-point restraints for a week. Henry plans. The attorney plans to file a complaint in state court Friday, alleging violations of Hodges' constitutional rights. Okay, so do with that what you will. Any any thoughts, comments, or otherwise? I nothing. I this is one. All right. I have nothing. We got to wrap this up here pretty quick. Snoop producer's choice on our Florida stories. Okay. Uh, you want police officer telling the? Or I'm sorry, man, telling the police he was allowed to carry meth. And that they should call the FBI, or you want Florida man swindling a cancer charity out of money.
3: Yeah, the second one. All right. I want somebody to get boiled and
2: soaked. Oh, you can get the cauldron ready for this. A Florida man is under arrest after allegedly attempting to use a false identity to purchase over $20 million in properties in a luxury car while also pledging $3 million. To a well-known cancer research foundation oh. Robert Schnepp, 48, was arrested On a single felony charge Of scheming to defraud more than $50,000 After the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office Said they received reports The two-time convicted felon Was attempting to fraudulently buy properties And a luxury car Using the name Robert I Don't know why that was Benigino. Benigino. Why's he go Why does he gotta do that to Italians? Yes. Disparage, uh, disparage Italians. Uh, authorities say Schneff hired a local realtor after claiming he was a business owner visiting Sarasota after Hurricane Ian and expressed interest in purchasing one commercial property worth $17.5 million and another worth $5.2 million. Once the buying process started, Schneff said he was interested in purchasing it's purchasing a Rolls Royce
3: Schnapp.
2: and was then <laughs> connected with the dealership where he agreed to buy a 2022 Mercedes-Benz that cost more than 132 Thousand dollars Must be a nice car for $132,000 While signing the paper where Schneff used his real name And suggested to the employees that he possessed millions of dollars in assets Additionally, authorities say the dealership managed to introduce Schneff To famed sports broadcaster Dick Vitale And the two met at Vitale's home Where Schneff pledged $3 million to Vitale's Cancer Research Foundation So he's swindling people out of money and he attempted to give swindled money to Dick Vitale's Cancer Research it's, Foundation.
3: It's terrible, but it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Come, come on in, baby. I'm...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Both, oh. This morning, I am devastated yeah. and heartbroken at all caps to find out. He is a notorious con man who has been arrested numerous times all over from NYC to Florida. Vital posted on Twitter after learning of Schneff's arrest. I believe that we had $3 million for kids versus cancer. I am sick to think in my house he was hugging my wife and I so happy. The authorities were tipped off when the realtor began having doubts about Schneff's stories and found online searches that several social media pages had accused him of having a history of fraud, Detectives then followed up and found Schneff was on probation for another fraud case. So there you go. Swindled people out of money and attempted to give swindled money to a cancer charity. You can get the cauldron ready for that guy. I don't know if you need to get the cauldron ready for this cat, Snoop, but uh, this says a homeless Florida man, but we'll call him a Florida man experiencing homelessness. That's right. Was arrested Wednesday after he was found to be in possession of methamphetamine during the arrest. The man told the arresting officer to call the FBI and a local police department because, according to the man, he has some sort of special permission to carry meth. Robert Lawson, age 50, was loitering near a wooded area close to a business when he was approached by a Pinellas County.